hey everyone, Teo here. Ben's not here yet, but I'm a little bit worried about the podcast because he sent me a voicemail message and it doesn't sound like he enjoyed it very much. All right, Teo, mate. Oh, we fucked that choice up, didn't we? Why did we choose Greedful? Just finished it. Finally. Thought it wasn't going to end. I know don't normally ring you slash message about the games we're going to review before we do, but given how long this game is and how bad it is, <laughs> if you don't want to play it to the end, that's fine. Maybe just play enough that you get a feel for it and we've got plenty to talk about. Uh, I don't know what we are going to talk about though, because is it alright to just pan a game for an hour? I feel like that's unethical or something. Greedful. More like greed fail. Am I right? So I'm going to be try as be enthusiastic as I can, but yeah, I'm a little bit worried about this episode. Oh, here he comes. Is, is he singing? Is that, is that singing I can hear? Ben, are you singing? This is greedful. It is awful. What is that? Looks like a game, but it plays like a chore. This is greedful. It's really, really awful. <laughs> Let what me tell you all. Save your time and your money from greedful. From greedful. Ben, Ben, can you hear me? You alright, mate? Yeah, how's it going? You ready to start the pod? Yeah, sorry about that. I was just listening to my headphones there. You alright? Yeah, I'm not Ben, I'm Teo. I'm not Teo, I'm Ben. And, and this, this is Pixel, Pixel Vision. Vision. How you doing, mate? Yeah, very well. So you enjoyed the game then? Oh god. It wasn't my favourite, if I'm honest. It wasn't my favourite. Nah, something told me it wasn't your favourite, so I have come prepared for this. It's the first one where we've really communicated a lot beforehand. Well, not a lot, you just sent me that message. And I'm not going to say it colours. Yeah, but to be clear, the reason I wanted to send you that message is because I was worried while I was playing it that you were also playing it and also hating it. And I thought, god, what is the point in both of us putting in you know nearly 40 hours to this game only for both of us to be like that was a waste of time and i just thought in case you also thought it was bollocks bollocks i don't know why i said it like that bollocks bollocks um, <laughs> in, in case you also thought it was bollocks, bollocks then it would be prudent to sort of give you the heads up and be like if you haven't played this all through yet and you're really not enjoying it don't bother and we can summarize based on our experience today it was kind of what the message was about yeah, no, no, it was it was a good shout. To be fair, I wasn't that far into the game. Like, I was probably a third of the way through, if that, maybe a bit less than a third when you sent me that message. And I was still really enjoying it at that point. And I think you said a message to me, something like, oh, yeah, you love it at the start. And I was like, oh, at what point am I going to start hating it? And then, like, every plot point from then on, I was like, is this the bit where it's going to get really tedious? Or is this the bit? Yeah. And did you ever reach a bit? Only as much as I reach a point in a lot of RPGs of this type. So, like, have you played Dragon Age Inquisition at all? Oh, yeah, big time, yeah. All the Dragon Age series. 
Really? Oh, okay. Well, okay. We'll save that for later then. But yeah, like, there's always a point where I just think, if the story isn't compelling and the writing isn't compelling, you're just like, what am I doing? So is that the t- a tacit admission there that the story wasn't compelling and the writing wasn't compelling? No, but there were interesting things about it. Did you finish it? I did not finish it, unfortunately. <laughs> It's just the way we get to start every podcast from now on is me asking you whether you've played the game that we're about to talk about for an hour. No, I, I, I played a good 20 hours and I felt like that is easily enough to get a good flavour. Yeah, game. yeah, it very much is. Give it another week, I would have finished it for sure. Just for completionist sake. Will you probably finish it or are you thinking? No, there's no time to finish games once we've recorded a podcast about them because it's on to the next one. It's a strict regime we've got going on here. So I'm guessing you also never went back and, and wrapped up Sekiro. Oh, Sekiro. I would love to, but yeah, I, just, I, I can't envision a point where it's going to happen now. Maybe I'll take a <laughs> week's right. annual leave. <laughs> well, go on then. Let's hear your tear monologue. Uh, give us a summary of what, what the game is about and what it's, what it's kind of covering. So Greedfall is, I would say a traditional third person rpg that's set mostly apart from the beginning act on an island which has been colonized by three um three nations so the story takes place between the congregation of merchants which is the faction to which you belong a religious faction called talime a more kind of scientific faction called the bridge alliance and the indigenous population of the the island yeah and in traditional rpg fashion you pick skills which determine your character class your class isn't fixed from the start so basically there's a skill tree and whatever skills you you choose you can do those abilities roguish ones magic ones warrior ones there's a crafting system there's armor (laughs) armor there's weapons you get the idea they come in green blue purple yeah it doesn't innovate in in any way shape or form like everything that you think should be there is there and it's only the setting that gives it some semblance of individuality compared to other role-playing games the setting being well being colonization of an island explicit colonization of an island but how explicit exactly we'll get into that yeah yeah may as well start at the beginning so in terms of the way you develop your character and your class and what the options are available to you and the customization and that kind of stuff it was the one element i did think when the game started i thought i'm gonna enjoy this because i thought it was quite clever the way that you're having your portrait painted and that's the uh, sort of setup to the customization options that was quite clever that bit wasn't it yeah i quite enjoyed that um the customization options were, were pretty limited but i mean as I've said before on this podcast, that's a bit of a time sink and I don't know whether how valuable that whole customization thing is anyway. So I kind of respected that. I thought that was good. Got out, then you're choosing your class and it gives you three, I think, isn't it? It's like warrior, technical and mage. Is it mage or magical? It's basically like your three kind of generic, what your warrior, your, your mage, and then technical is kind of like hunter or rogue, would you say? Uh, Something like yeah. that? It's got a focus on agility and traps and lockpicking. Although it's worth saying that, what would you call them? Like additional skills, tertiary skills, that's the word, like lockpicking aren't tied to your class in any way. So they're completely separate. So you can be a lockpicking alchemist warrior or a um, an intuitive 
mage. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working with the words they're giving me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's very impressive. It's that English literature degree again. Um, yeah, well, so I think I, I kind of scuppered myself a little bit at the beginning because I immediately put points into charisma. I've always done that in role-playing games. I just think, like, I love it when you're in a dialogue tree and you, because you put charisma points in, you've got more options and often you can sort of persuade all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there was me spending my... <laughs> I scan they only give you these points like once every three or five levels or something like that isn't it I think it's three levels so yeah I chose to put mine in charisma and I think I got one charisma check in the entire starting area meanwhile left right and center are locks to be picked places to use your your balance your there's one option called vigor which lets you kind of get to areas that are a bit precarious I guess so it's like scaling walls or balancing on beams and that kind of stuff there were plenty of those in the starting area if you've got intuition you can sneak through certain little areas and yeah charisma i think i got one check and i thought why did i do that but i did continue to sink points into it in the hope that that, that i would get more options as it went on that's a standard way to play role-playing games though, isn't it you, you double down on the the character which you've decided to build from the beginning so i did exactly the same thing but i did it with intuition so the first three points of those skill points that i had all went into intuition and i never got a three point check the entire game and you can get it up with your clothes anyway so it was a complete waste but i did it anyway yeah that's true actually so there are only three points in each skill tree pretty much aren't there in terms of like yeah, there's yeah. only three tiers once you've got to three you've maxed out that tree and you'll never get a mm -hmm. check harder than that and as terry says clothes you can put on and get a boost and also from your uh from your companions mm. as well that starting area, though, was was quite impressive, I think. Like, um, oh, you'll tell me if you go back to it again later in the game. But I was quite impressed that it, it, it seemed like a really bustling, alive city, sort of, that's really big, that you're essentially there for a couple of hours and then you leave and you never see it again. And that's the area I enjoyed the most in the whole game. Ah. It felt like an introduction in all the right ways to the world. Mm. So the characters there were, were more fleshed out. It felt quite dynamic and bustling, as you say. I mean, I'm... I, I don't I just don't know where to start with with like where it all falls apart for me but it's a bit like because because there are going to be parallels to Dragon Age Inquisition as you made and The Witcher 3 and any of those even um god I almost said Skyfall then but that's not what I meant I meant Skyrim, Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah even Skyrim and I feel like those comparisons are obviously there beneath the surface and the game itself I feel like was aspiring to do that Thing, to be that mm. kind of great classical RPG but in truth it's more like a sort of early learning center my first RPG mm. in the sense that it's very very basic on on everything yeah. that it does like very so basic as to be like almost embarrassing Ooh, almost embarrassing is pretty harsh but yeah I know I know what you mean like it's very it ticks every box but it ticks it with as little tick as possible like the smallest possible tick in every single box yeah so all those little um all the variety that your skills are meant to give you that you alluded to earlier like balancing on beams and jumping between things and your intuition and your charisma none of them ever feel significant like every beam you can balance on you can just run around it to get to the same place there's boxes, like you said, to lockpick everywhere, but there's nothing worth looting anyway. No. So, you're not, so, so, you're not, so you're not worried about what's in them. Um, charisma, I didn't put a single point in charisma the entire game, 
and yet I still managed to succeed on every one of my charisma checks bar one. Really? <laughs> Just by a fluke. Yeah. Oh, and go. I didn't That's put a single point in it. Whereas I put loads of points in and I often fail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe the game so, makes yeah, it no, harder. Right, right. When you... the, the only interesting thing that charisma did do, actually, is um, it improves your companion's combat abilities. It's almost sort of like a morale thing. Oh, really? Or it, the game alleges that it does that. I don't know how quantifiable that is. But I did think that was a cool feature of charisma. Not that we've got into companions and stuff yet. but No, and it's worth mentioning quickly that it's um, real-time combat as well, not turn-based. And we didn't make that clear. Yeah, real-time with pause, yeah. Which which I love. That's another thing. Like, I feel it's like... Real-time with, it's real-time with pause? Yeah, we, yeah, are you kidding me right now? Uh, it's not really real-time with pause. You, you can pause, but you can't issue commands when it's paused. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what you can do, yeah. <laughs> can you? Why? I tried Why doing that. You... What kind I of pause you... did you think it was? Hit escape so you can go for a wee and then come back. Of course, it's real time with pause. The pause is built in. Nah, because when you when you pause the game, you get to see your enemies' attributes. Not that you need to, but you get to see all their attributes. So I thought it was like a moment of pause, literally, to like to to decide what you wanted to do next, and then you unpause and you do it. It's not like you pause press a button and then unpause and do the thing yeah so you can't chain loads of commands but like you can pause and be like and like scroll through your all your skills that you haven't quick quick shortcutted or whatever they, what, what's that called god that's that's definitely not what it's called uh yeah some sort of shortcut to a skill what's that called hotkey quick hotkey so <laughs> yeah. quick slot yeah i don't know yeah quick slot hotkey whatever um yeah any any skills that you haven't put in a in a hot, on a hot bound to a hotkey or in a quick <laughs> slot, <laughs> um, you can access through that pause menu and then mm. use them from the pause menu. And the same with potions and stuff. So in that regard, you're queuing up what you're about to do next. And if if an enemy attacks you and unbeknownst to you, and you can kind of pause and be like, okay, how am I going to react to this? And look through your skills and and come up with an approach. So in that regard, it's real time with pause. <laughs> I mean hilarious that i didn't realize that but at the same time the combat was so easy that you would never need to pause no it was the most trivial combat ever the whole game was trivial it was all trivial but but it's trivial in in dragon age inquisition the combat's trivial equally trivial not no not equally trivial i enjoyed some of the combat in in dragon age and also, sometimes it felt like you needed to get better to beat someone in Dragon Age. To be fair, I haven't played that game for a really long time. So I don't want to, even though I know there is an obvious comparison there, I don't want to dwell on it because I don't feel like I would do that game justice because I, it's just been so long since I played it. Mm. Um, but what I do remember is enjoying that and freshly finishing this. <laughs> Not enjoying this. So mm. yeah, I don't think the comparison is that solid. All right, we will leave the comparison there, but... I take a punt and say, if you replayed Dragon Age Two, you wouldn't enjoy it. Mm, maybe. Do you remember how many how many areas in that game were just reused? Do you remember that warehouse you go to about fifty times for all different reasons? Like everyone's just in the same warehouse, not not even the same model building. It's the same place in the city <laughs> every time. <laughs> no, but that's the same. I mean, maybe you're right because I don't recall that particularly, but I do remember oh, that from Greedfall. I remember everyone you visit you're a diplomat essentially so you spend your entire game yeah. fast traveling from city to city 
as soon as you fast travel, running straight to the ambassador's residence, speaking to the ambassador, every ambassador's residence looks exactly the same. It's the exact same <laughs> building with like minor changes to wallpaper or something like that. Even the wallpaper, even the paintings are the same, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, you chat to them and then you fast travel back to wherever they've just said you need to speak to the next person and then you speak to them and then you fast travel and then you fast travel and then you speak to the next person every time you fast travel you're interrupted with that goddamn camping screen that the game tells you at the very beginning is only going to show up on very long journeys and then it shows up on every fucking journey from that moment forward Uh, i did quite a lot of traveling by foot but maybe that's just because i don't like fast travel but i did it's unfair to it you you're you're being unfair to the world i think which they built because it is a fairly big world and it is all apart from the governor's um residences which you rightly say all three of them had exactly the same architect don't know know what's going on there (laughs) maybe the first governor came to the island and had theirs built and the other one was like well that looks good i'll have that as well (laughs) But it's not just the ambassador's but, residences. It's like you say with warehouses. It's the same. Every every town has a sort of dock where there's a group of a sort of tribe of people called the Norts, who are yeah. who are the shipsmen, the sailor kind of group tribe, and they always seem to live in warehouses, and all of their warehouses are the same as well. And it's funny earlier on you mentioned if you skill up in vigor and you can balance on a beam to get somewhere, then. There's no actual point in that because you can just run around. With lockpicking, I I lockpicked like a a tier three room. You know, it required a skill of three, which is the max. And lockpicked it, opened it. There was literally nothing in the room. Not not very much. There was nothing there. There, It was an empty room. And part of the frustration I had when experiencing this game is it didn't reward your exploration at all. Because I'm one of those gamers who, when I start playing... I'm like, oh, this will be an interesting, even though the plot's telling me to go that way. I'm just going to go this way and see what's over here and blah, blah, blah. And as a result, I was finding loads of areas that were totally empty. No people there. Often some graphical bugs, like um, a speech bubble where someone will be stood in the future, but isn't yet. And that kind of stuff. And I would explore it and be like, okay, there's nothing here. But I know because there are things to interact with in terms of locked doors that at some stage I'll be back here and I'll probably be, there'll probably be loads of people. Mm. It's true of this, of the indoor areas, the environments were repeated. The outdoor areas, I I definitely didn't find that they were like sometimes a little bit samey, but they did feel like lush outdoor areas, like big lush forests, rivers, like mountains, vistas, your favourite. Like there, there was a lot of that, <laughs> I thought. But, but My favourite. <laughs> But you're right, there was definitely nothing to discover unless you were specifically on a quest and then it was obvious that like, oh, there's quite a nice little location here. There's nothing in at the moment. Later on, there'll probably be someone from a quest there or they had planned for there to be something there later, but they ended up like they're not being there. Later. So it did feel a bit unfinished in that way. But the comparison I was going to make to another game, which was Fable, which... There was so much like magic and mystery in that game, and yet the outdoor areas comparatively were really small. Like, but yeah. but that game, like with every one of those um, talking doors and like just ev- ev- every corner of that game felt crammed with something to discover. Yeah. Whereas this was the complete opposite. Like it was massive and totally um, and totally empty. Yeah, that's fair. That's such a good comparison. And I was thinking Fable as well when I was playing it. I loved Fable. I absolutely loved it. 
And even back then when, you know, relatively speaking, graphics weren't that great. You had to be more dynamic with your storytelling and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I feel like they just got it right in a way that this game, the developers, Spider, must have just thought, well, these are all the ingredients. I mean, I was thinking about that. I've, I've made some really bad analogies on this podcast already, but here's another one. Um, <laughs> it's a bit like when, if a, sh- if, if a chef gives you the ingredients to like an incredible dish, it's like your favorite dish. I love RPGs. It's an amazing dish. It's going to be delicious. They, they give you all the ingredients, they put it in a pan, and then they're like, there you go. You'd be like, well, you've got to cook it first. You've got to make it into a delicious thing. I can't just eat the raw ingredients. And that's what this is like. It's like, oh yeah, we've got characters. We've got a massive world. We've got a beautiful map. The map is beautiful. Um, like everything else about the game, it's like all the ingredients are there, but they didn't bloody cook it. I'm sorry. It just looks like such a mess. It's all a little bit greasy. The plates spattered with oil. I'm not sure I want to eat that. I'm not that comfortable with it. If not raw, not cooked enough for me to want to eat it. So let's move away from the kind of like, I would call that play. What is that? Is that player led? Like your self-discovery. Like it's one of the key things which is fun about Skyrim. This is like you ignore the main quest and you just walk off in any direction, like see what's going on. And it's fun. Yeah. Can't do that in this game. Totally fair. But what did you think about the um companion quests and the and the main quest yeah so okay right so the main quest is um at the very beginning there's there's reference to this disease called the malachor which is kind of sweeping the world your your mother's really sick and your mission is kind of ostensibly to find a cure to the malachor isn't it Mm. and you know that's fine as a premise but i don't know i just what did you think of it (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's explicit, and one of the reasons I did want to get to the end is that part of the reason... mm, Should I say this? This is a a minor spoiler for about a third of the way through the game. You find out that it's not the first time your faction has been to the island. They've been there, like, a generation before, and were essentially repelled by the native population. But at this point, everyone's back on the island. So I was interested in the colonisation aspect of it i was not invested in like the curing of the disease like in a game like dishonored you maybe are more so Mm. um i can't actually remember if you cure the disease in dishonored or not or whether it's just like a backdrop but yeah that was the interesting aspect of it and and like it's called greedful so that has been done consciously like and if it hasn't then that's bizarre how do you mean oh what you mean uh the greedfall is a reference to the colonial element being your downfall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, greedfall. <laughs> Quite on the nose, isn't it? Pretty on the nose. <laughs> um, but then that's what was not exactly disappointing. Like, I don't want a game to be like, ho ho, look how bad this colonization is. Like, it is bad. Like, historically, it's an awful thing. But you want it to be interrogated with like a bit of nuance and like in this game it wasn't at all no i was just about to follow up with you on that not even slightly like it explicitly gives you that backdrop of that world like i described but then doesn't really do much with it like immediately when you land one of your companions is um is a native person and 
basically our catchphrase is and they call us savages and you're like ah yeah we get it like (laughs) you're not savages like we already know that like you don't have to convince the player at this point that (laughs) that treading all over native populations is a bad thing like we know that's bad now do something interesting with it (laughs) Yeah, you know I mean? it's totally two-dimensional. From the moment that you arrive and you see uh, one of the, I think it's the Bridge Alliance, is the, um, are they the religious ones or the science ones? No, they're the science ones. Oh, who's the religious ones again? Talime. Yeah, Talime. Yeah, so you get there and one of their inquisitors is like burning some natural beast at the stake or whatever. And he's your yeah. classic villain. Like he's got, he looks like he looks like a member of the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Our chief weapon is surprise, surprise and fear, fear and surprise. Our two weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency. Our three weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope. Our four, no, <laughs> amongst our weapons. Amongst our weaponry are such elements as fear. I'll come in again. And, um, <laughs> and he's throttling a guy to death, one of the natives to death. He and he's literally him. just strangling him to death while he speaks over the top like, oh, you savages, you swine, like that kind of vibe. And uh, you just know as soon as you see that scene, you're like, oh, this is unoriginal. <laughs> I think Talime is the best example of this for me. So you've got like, they're bad for being on the island. Like that, their whole civilization is doing a bad thing by being there. And yet they try to go for this. Oh, no, only some of them. Only like that inquisitor is bad. But actually the leader of Talime is good. And he's just like a bad egg within that faction, Talime. And it's like, well, no, they're all bad eggs for being there in the first place. And like yeah. using their religion as an, as an excuse to convert the native population of this island. Like clearly bad. But in the game's, in the game's opinion... Not bad, sort of understandable, as long as you do it in the right way. (laughs) Mm. When I first started playing, as soon as they introduced the idea that one faction was science and one faction was religion, I was like, you are kidding me. Could you develop this in a less two-dimensional manner? I found that a little bit staggering straight away. Mm. Another way it trips itself up is in that scene that you talked about, which is quite like an emotive scene with this like giant... um, creature being burnt at the stake which is kind of like one of the natives gods they worship sort of like an, a natural god type beast and they're burning at the stake and you feel bad like You're a like, tree giant like a tree giant like you feel like an ent yeah you feel bad nowhere near it. as cool as an ent sorry to sorry nowhere to put in this but yeah there's absolutely no way that i'm accepting a comparison of that thing to an ent there is no curse in Edelvish. Entish or the tongues of men for this treachery. They're reaching for that vibe. A tree and They're reaching for every vibe. But then, so you feel bad for it and you're like, oh no, it's burning. But, you know, you go out and kill them yourself. You kill all the creatures. <laughs> you kill all these, like, there are many unique um, kind of mini bosses in the game which you just go out and happily slaughter yeah. without any repercussions or, like, and what's mad is the tribes people pit you against them themselves. So they are the people that they kind of worship, as Teo says, or at least have hold in very high regard. But 
again and again, they'll send you into a confrontation with one of those things where your only solution, even with high charisma, is to destroy the thing. And then you come back and they're, they're always gutted that you've killed it. And you're thinking, well, what else did you think I was going to do? You just <laughs> sent me into a massive battle and it attacked me. One more way which it trips itself up is that there are lots of different native villages, all of which have their own identity and way of doing things and set of customs. And you think, okay, cool. That kind of makes sense. But your reputation is just lumped into natives as if there wasn't any distinction between all the different villages. Then you're like, well, okay, you've made a bit of effort to show some like some difference here among the indigenous population, but then they still just get their one reputation the same as any other faction. Yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't make any sense. Um, they get right? one character model as well, since you're on it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, to be fair, that's the same for um, all, all the... Um, Characters. All the peoples in the, in the game. Yeah. I love the repetition of character models. That sort of jank I can handle, I think. Oh, that I just found funny. There was one character model that looked exactly like Stuart Lee, and every time I saw him, I was like... That's what, the comedian? Yeah. I was like, oh, Stuart Lee in another costume. Another lookalike. <laughs> I was like, they paid Stuart Lee, and they're getting the most out of him. Another thing I thought was quite funny is um, your companion, the first companion you have, Kurt, uh, who's like your loyal bodyguard. Hey! Green blood! Kurt! And so the day has finally come. My royal fledglings are leaving the nest. Accompanied by their most loyal and tenacious master of arms. I thought he looked exactly like Martin Harley. The guitarist? You remember Martin Harley? The blues guitarist. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was especially funny because his most famous song is Money Don't Matter and Kurt is a coin guard where money's the only thing that matters to him. That's such a niche reference. <laughs> oh, for the vast majority of our audience, that will mean nothing. But yeah, there you go. Check out Martin Harley. He's awesome. <laughs> Well, while we're talking about how ropey and sometimes thin the quests are, there's an example of some of the side quests. The premise is ludicrously thin. So, for instance, here's one. <laughs> this is a guy describing what a doctor said. And he's like, The doctor said the man died of drowning, but I might have misunderstood him. They use such long words, these doctors. <laughs> Literally, one of them. So then you have to go and speak to the doctor. That's the premise for you to go and speak to the doctor. Yeah, I remember this Another quest. one. Mark the crates in the warehouse and your character's like, oh yeah, but they're already marked because we did this quest once already. And the, the respondent is, yeah, but mark them again with colours because the men are illiterate so they can't read the first marks. Mm -hmm. Almost verbatim. That's the, the motive for that quest. Another moment. <laughs> this was the worst, I think. This was uh, when you get to, you're exploring a mine, you get to this like sort of broken gate thing. Um, that you clearly need to go through. And your character, Desarde, we haven't actually named them yet, but they're called Desarde. Uh, I was playing in typical fashion as a female Desarde. Yeah, I played as a black woman. <laughs> I wanted to see if there was any like reference to race. Was there? But I'll say, you're, you're in the middle of a point, so I'll... All right, okay. And yeah, so my female character, Desarde, was like, hmm, the mechanism that controls the gate is complex. Just spoiler, it's a cog. And as to be expected, it's missing a part. Right, as to be expected, totally self-aware that this is a total cliche. And then she's like, we should look for it. I didn't even have to move my mouse on the screen. 
because there's a glowing item next to the wheel that is a cog that you just need to pick up. And next to it, it's like a recipe for a cog to make one from scratch. So it's like, <laughs> what the hell? That isn't even a quest. That's nothing. That's just multiple ways. That's multiple ways to complete the quest. You can find the cog. You can make the cog. <laughs> find it. Find it's it. next or, to the thing. Or, get this, you can even do what I did. I'd already bought the cog from the merchant outside because it, <laughs> it's you knew. contained within... <laughs> Well, because it's contained within the quest items section of his shop. <laughs> so I thought, ah, oh, look, there's a cog in there. I always check the quest items section. Brilliant. So I checked there. There was, there was a cog. So I thought, well, I'll be needing that there. Chuck it Did you often do that? Sure Did you enough. often just buy quest items when they were available to yeah, buy? I just, I, just, I just bought them all because, you know, you're going to be needing them at some point, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you are. There's so much about this game, which is like that. I actually encountered characters who would say, hmm, if you don't have a high enough crafting skill, you could just visit a vendor to buy that. And I thought, that is balls, isn't it? That is so shit. Yeah, I'll just, just bear with me a minute. I'll fast travel to the vendor, fast travel back, and then jobs are good in. To be slightly more um, positive for a second, I know you're, you're painting the plot lines in the side quests to be particularly thin. And they aren't the most fleshed out. They are a little bit two-dimensional. Like, you never really get to make any um, significant choices one way or the other. And your reasons for doing these things can sometimes be a bit insubstantial. But um, I thought your character's dialogue wasn't actually too bad. Are you joking? I'm not. Like, like you're a diplomat and you never get the opportunity to be too severe or opinionated. Like, whoever you're talking to, whatever you think, even if you do have an agenda... You manage to like, I don't know, talk talk your way out of things. One funny thing is that your character is very sort of British posh. Yeah, she is. Did you think that? The voice acting is very, it reminded me of um, Carolyn Martins from Killing Eve. You know, the posh spy agent woman. I haven't watched it. I can imagine that. It's my moisturiser. It's made of pig's placenta. Costs a fortune and smells like arse, but it is exceedingly effective. Oh man, she's she's just hilarious. But anyway, it reminded me a bit of that. But you say the di- you thought the dialogue was quite good. I've got a verbatim quote written down here, and she meets Siora for the first time. So one of the characters, who is a tribeswoman, a native, is introduced and can potentially become one of your companions. And once you take a companion on board. You can speak to them, obviously, as with so many RPGs, and you can kind of get a bit of their backstory and all that kind of stuff. So this is the very first thing that your character says to Siora. Did, Did you, you really, really think, think I was a native? Aside from the way you dress, you resemble a native. I have never seen an Onol Manawi amongst the Renagze before. Is it so surprising that I made this mistake? No, I understand. And I hope that this singular appearance I hope makes, it makes me, me more, more attractive, attractive to, to you. you. Yeah. No, that's just plain weird. That's fucking super creepy, isn't it? <laughs> and then, wait, and then Siora mentions her father and she says, I've never heard you talk of your father. It's like, you've literally just met this girl. How would she possibly have spoken to you about her father? <laughs> that's good. I, I like that kind of jank, though. Because that is... <laughs> Character role. <laughs> Come on, be fair. No, no, be fair. In, it was the same thing with Kurt. Like, the first time you're let loose in the city in the introductory section and you speak to Kurt, your faithful bodyguard, who's been your bodyguard since you were a child, for, like, for your whole life. And the first thing you can say to him is, is just really, really flirty. I can't remember yeah, what the quote It was exactly. so cringy. It's like, maybe we... It's, it's basically... Oh, no, like, she says, aren't you lonely? 
Yeah, is it, aren't you lonely? Yeah, the, and it's the only option. You're only given one option. It's the only option. It's the only option is, is to flirt with your, char- with your childhood, like, mentor and bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought that was, I thought that was funny. Like, I appreciate a bit of jank. In that sense, it reminded me of Dragon's Dogma. Did you ever play that RPG? No, not at all. Dragon's Dogma. Never even heard of it, I don't think. Dragon's Dogma. Uh, I think it, it's, it will either be Japanese. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it will be Japanese. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's had a, an English release for ages now. But that was janky as hell. But it was, it was a lot more interesting than this. Yeah, in terms of, like, discovery and stuff. Mm. But, like, yeah. Boy, was it a bit off the wall. Him who knows that I know what he seeks to know knows it well while he who knows not knows not what I know or know not since you mentioned Kurt he's a good example of because we're talking about the story and quests and whether they're substantial or not Mm. and for me Kurt's quest and sort of character illustrates how it isn't substantial and how it actually contains some major story inconsistencies within it so I don't know how far you played along with Kurt and I don't want to spoil anything. Well, actually, screw it. I am going to spoil it. I'm going to spoil it for you. I'm going to spoil it for the listeners. So yeah, if you're paranoid it's, it's and... Time for spoilers you know, anyway. Yeah. If you've listened to me talking about it this much and you thought, that sounds amazing. I'd love to play that. Well, then I'm about to spoil it. So stop listening now. <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, basically, Kurt is your... As Tay says, your bodyguard. He's, he's been with you your whole life. He's been very loyal the whole time. And he gets wind of this person that's died, right? So this is how his storyline starts. He gets wind of this recruit that's died in mysterious circumstances. They seem to have drowned. They get put in a a little barracks and you can go and visit them in the barracks morgue or whatever. And you get there and your character says, I'm not a doctor, but I'll examine the body. And you think, okay, good luck with that. And, uh, And then they start describing what's going on with it. But this recruit, turns out to have died as part of training for a mysterious regiment called the Phantom Guard or the Phantom Regiment. And Kurt has never heard of it. And he's outraged that there's this other regiment. And he's like, we've got to get to the bottom of this regiment. So your quests go on and on and on. And eventually you find the encampment of the Phantom Regiment. Mm -hmm. You get in there and you look for evidence of how it's funded and how high up the conspiracy goes. And you find it and blah, blah, blah. And so you're doing that quest line. And as you're doing it, you're doing the main quest line as well. Mm-hmm. And the main quest line involves your cousin, Constantine, who's very sick and is urging you to find a cure and also urging you to kind of be a diplomat and all that kind of stuff that we've talked about. And at one moment, during both Kurt's quest and the main quest, I went to speak with Constantine and Kurt comes in with his phantom regiment behind him that is his regiment that he's like a part of and he fully just betrays you. <gasps> he just fully betrays you straight up. But I, but the story, but, but it played out differently. Yeah. Well, so I know what you're going to say because it annoyed me that he betrayed me because I hadn't finished doing his, his quest. So I reloaded the game before that happened. So unless, so basically, unless you fulfill the Phantom Regiment before that beat in the main story, then he'll betray you. Exactly. But the issue was that they hadn't blended that seamlessly. So instead, the plot is that he's, he, you don't even know about the Phantom Regiment or anyone involved in it. He seems like he's determined to get to the bottom of it. You spend ages of in-game hours doing this storyline. And then at the end, it turns out that he's running it. And you're like, what the hell? 
we can't both be running it and rumble it in the same game. Exactly. That's that's my whole point. <laughs> that is clearly bullshit. Why did you betray us? Our commander figured out that we could easily take control of this island. You rely so heavily on our protection. You are so dependent. <laughs> so naive. All the governors will suffer the same attacks if they haven't already. Your problems are far from over, Greenblood. But, as you say, if you do complete that quest, then he doesn't betray you, and instead he gives you the heads up that, like, that's what's going on. But even in that example, even when he doesn't betray you, he still enters the room while you're speaking to Constantine and says there's a plan to put people close to all the governors. I was meant to be here close to you and kill you, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, he says that. And if he knows of the plan and that's what his job was, then the whole time he's known about the Phantom Guard. So it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Like, if his position is he feels so much personal loyalty to you that he would never betray you anyway, as well as it being, like, a betrayal of the coin guard creed, breaking a contract, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, he can't, he can't be running the Phantom Regiment. You get rid of the Phantom Regiment with him. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get rid of it, then it turns out he's running it. Yeah. That's, that's really bad. There's quite a lot of those, those kind of contradictions, but I would say that's the most blunt. What did you think of the other characters that you can join? So you've got another guy called Petrus, who is um, from the Inquisition. Yeah, you recognise recognize his voice? Oh, what? I did recognise his voice, but... My, my, my child, my child. Oh, I, can't, I can't do his voice. I should have practised it a little bit more. It's from my, my favourite game that we've played so far. I know your every move, child. I made you, moulded you. It's your man from Wilson. It's the main <laughs> big baddie. Is it? Same voice actor. 100% the same voice actor. Bishop Petrus. How divinely fortunate this is. Did you know that I had the honour of meeting you at your uncle's court when you were a child? He's even playing a similar role. Did you actually check that? Or is that just based on the audio? No, I did look at his IMDb. This Greedfall isn't listed yet, but there is a bunch of video games on there. Like, it's, it's definitely him. Oh, good spot, Taylor. Impressed. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> What's his name? Petrus. <laughs> oh, what the actor's, actor's name? name. I can't remember the actor's name. Oh, he was the, in the like... really important bit of detail. He's a TV actor. You'll find him. Yeah, I felt bad about that when we did Control, actually. We bigged up Casper Darling so much, and then uh, we didn't actually reveal until the show notes who the actor is, which was kind of an oversight. Sorry, everyone. It is in the show notes, if you check now. But yeah, another thing, like, while we're on kind of... Just, well, while I'm just continuing to rage against it. Uh, was... I'm quite enjoying your rage, by the way. I hope it's entertaining <laughs> for everyone. Because it's, it's certainly, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of it. <laughs> there's another moment when you're walking through this woodland, right? It's quite near the end of the game. And your character says, hmm, strange. These trees look half calcinated, as if they were exposed to extreme heat. That's a verbatim quote. The trees around her are literally on fire. She has stood in the middle of a fiery forest. And that is, that's the kind of thing that she says all the time. Just things that aren't observations. They're just not even accurate. Half calcinated. But that gives you an indication of the sort of poise that she brings to a situation. She doesn't panic. She, she certainly she doesn't, doesn't panic. panic that's true, yeah. 
But another thing, like, with dialogue is you can speak to almost every character in the game. So, like, you can be walking through a town and there's people just milling about. You can go and speak to them. You can literally interact with everyone. They give you butt kiss. Nothing. They just say, like, oh, I heard some random shit that you're not interested in. They give you, they give you what? Butt kiss. Butt kiss. Yeah. What's butt kiss? Yiddish, isn't it? Isn't it? Doesn't it mean, like, nothing? All right, I don't know. Nice. I've never heard that word before. I hope it means nothing or um, I sound like a right ass. <laughs> Um, yeah, they just yeah, give well, you vague pleasantries. Like, there's no point in interacting. So you can interact with everyone, but there's absolutely no point. It's not like in some other games where you might get a rumor or someone That's will fair. reference, like, a kidnapping that they heard about. Or, like, you know, if you go into a tavern in something like The Witcher, you you mm. might be able to overhear... You might be able to get rumors from the tavern owner or overhear something that's going on from people who are sort of conversing mm. with libations. So... Um, go on. <laughs> I've already said that I enjoy jank in RPGs like this because I think that when you try and if you try and make them too realistic, they always just fall flat. Well, nearly always fall flat because they're just essentially quite silly things, which is odd given the sort of serious theme of this game. But yeah, so like I quite enjoyed the fashion in the game. I thought thought the clothes looked quite funny. I quite enjoyed dressing all of my companions up in native clothing and then watching people just treat them like they were just dressed normally. Yeah. In the governor's palace or whatever i quite enjoyed that <laughs> <laughs> so you enjoyed breaking the game in a way because it doesn't yeah, make I, any I, sense I, for your characters I, to be dressed entirely as tribes people while lamenting the existence of tribes people i enjoyed having fun with it well on the equipment and armor and that kind of stuff did you find yourself actually because there's you know you can get loot but one of the things is it doesn't tailor the loot that drops to your character so tons of the loot that I got, I just couldn't use. And hardly, I hadn't just basically never even changed my equipment. I think like twice in the whole game, I changed my equipment because, you know, there just wasn't that good stuff to use. And it didn't seem to affect me that much anyway. Like mm. I was never struggling enough to think, God, I wish I needed an upgrade to this well, shirt. I never thought, I never thought I needed an upgrade to my shirt, but I was always glad of buying a new ring because I was a magic character, always glad of getting my upgraded ring from the shop. And they're really expensive and you don't get that much gold. Some role-playing games can give you too much gold and it becomes pointless. I actually did feel like I had to save up for my new ring at the very least. Right. That's the other thing though, is that you tend to get your best armor just from vendors, right? It wasn't... True, yeah. So I think I did the same. I think I bought my ring from a vendor. I think I bought probably some other stuff from a vendor. Crafting, I leveled it up a bit, but not enough to craft any of the good stuff. But then it didn't matter because there's a blacksmith. You can just pay to craft stuff for you. So Mm. pointless again. Mm. Oh yeah, this is an interesting point which I want to make, which is more of an open point because I don't know how I feel about it. You might have an opinion. So race in the game is shown through what do they say almanawi which is like i think it's that mark you have on your neck i have never seen an onolmanawi amongst the rinagze before which some of the natives have as well oh yeah which makes you look exactly like every native but is this not quite problematic because you have um you have a game which represents race i mean fantasy does it a lot so maybe it's not problematic but yeah but i thought it was going to be loads about race because i knew there was a colonial setting and the names of the game is greedful so i played as a black woman thinking ah maybe there'll be some like interesting references maybe i will experience racism in this game basically and i'm interested to see what that looks like or how that's um that's handled but no our conception of race 
in the game is completely removed and is like tagged on as this thing you have on your neck which i don't know i just thought that was it felt odd like fantasy games do it all the time like you have black dwarves and white dwarves you have black men and white men but the difference isn't there's no like reference to skin color there's reference to race as in dwarves and men and in fairness to a game Mm. i think they have to do that because it would be weird to be a gamer who is a person of color playing a game whereby not only are they all enduring racism in the real world but then they play a game and their their skin color in the game is relevant like that would be weird and I, I feel like if you're in a fantasy game and you're talking about race, you would conceive of races that... I remember Baldur's Gate doing it um, with your druid character. She was really unpopular. Mm. The way they get around it is by making up a race and then having prejudices against that race. But it's not it, It's not quite as... I get what you're saying there. I still think there's, there's room to do more or there's room to play with it. Like, it's not like, ah, oh, this is a fantasy game, therefore it should, it should adhere to these fantasy setting rules. Like, you can still, you can still play with real world stuff. You know, like, I mean, it happens maybe a bit less in fantasy, but certainly sci-fi is always used as a vehicle to satirically comment on real world things. Like, that's just a standard thing, isn't it? But anyway. Yeah, but as you say, with, with sci-fi, when they do it, um, it's usually an alien race or something. So they get around it that way. Like Mass Effect 2, for instance, with those Kurgans or whatever they're called. Mm. Do you know the ones I mean? They're sort of like lizards. Yeah, 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 for sure. And they get wiped, they get wiped out, don't they? Or they, no, they get made infertile. Yeah. That's an interesting plotline, actually. The reason I thought in this game why it deserved a little bit more interrogation was because the theme is already referencing the real world in, as we've said, an on-the-nose way colonialism like it's gone for a theme which is just a bit too near to the real world real world history for them to then do nothing of any substance with it i don't know i just felt a bit weird about that Mm. or not weird like maybe just disappointed yeah yeah how did you feel about the references constantly and they are constant to your own character's resemblance to the natives because when we first started playing Everyone kept commenting on it, and I hadn't particularly noticed that all the tribes people had that mark on their face. So when they kept saying I look like her, I was thinking to myself, I don't look like her. I don't look. I don't look like any of the tribes people. Yeah. What are you on about? I'm black. You're white. That's what I was thinking. But yeah, go on. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm not and black everyone in real life, you meet just for the says sake. says something like, hmm. Especially the tribes people, they're like, you look like one of us, but you're dressed like one of them. And um, yeah, I just didn't get it to begin with. And it was only when someone made an explicit reference to the mark on the face that I thought, because originally I thought that was the beginnings of Malachor that she had on her face, the disease Mm. that everyone's getting. So yeah, Mm. I didn't think that was actually explicitly that clear. And then once you are aware of it, well, then it's obvious that the twist is going to be that, you know, you have a shared ancestry. And that's kind of a little bit the point, I guess, is that like these people are being persecuted, but really you're, you've got that same ancestry. Yeah. And that in itself is just such a cliche. Like you're, you're halfway between the two worlds and you can bring them together. And I'm thinking like, there's no bringing them together. You've come to this island and you're exploiting it and nobody's saying anything. Like the natives do a bit, but even, even they're like, there's a whole quest line where a chief from one of the villages wants to trade and there's a, a line something along the line of i wrote it down peace and trade are linked 
And I'm thinking, well, yeah, they are, I suppose. But, like, there's one civilization here that's at a clear advantage, and it's not yours. Yeah, especially as another moment of the um, of that merchandising element, of the trade element, is that there's a tribes person who's been trying to trade with the bridge people and has come to the town to set up a stool and sell their stuff and like you say on the one hand you've got people being like yeah trade and peace go hand in hand and on the other hand every time he brings his stuff to be sold they're like arresting him basically confiscating his stuff because he hasn't got a license to sell it but he can't get a license to sell it because he doesn't read you know there so Mm. that's part of your quest is to go and get him a license and then you do get him a license and you come back and he's not even there because he's been arrested for another thing and then you have to release him and he was thrown in jail for disorderly conduct if you want to set him free that's where you must go this is what i felt like then about those bits is that it's like those guards in that storyline are being explicitly prejudiced towards the natives Whereas really he should be allowed to sell his wares freely and then and then everyone would get along fine. It's just the capitalist undertone, isn't it? That's that, that's what bugged me there. Like, regardless of what you think about capitalism, no one is under any illusions that our colonial past was a really bad thing, a really horrible period of history that nobody would want again. And it's just rewriting that. It's saying like, no, 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 the um, the intention was fine. You just want the the business without the racism. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's not a real thing. Like that wasn't a real scenario. Yeah. I did think the um, the, the setting was, was interesting though. In, interesting, an interesting failure of the setting for me. It's just because it was so on the nose that it's like to then do nothing with it or to actually what you did do with it. It's not a thing. It's, it's not offensive, but like it's it's just not very smart, is what it is. It's just not very smart at all. Like a child's conception mm. of of what happened in history. Like like what that's what, it is a child's conception of what happened in history. It's like Christopher Columbus went over to America, met some natives, and then Americans moved in, and yeah, you know, then now we've got America. It's that sort of like <laughs> it wasn't genocide at all. Yeah. <laughs> And one of the mad things is it all happens on a really, really short scale, doesn't it? Because the they keep referencing years ago, but when you delve into it, they mean about 15 years ago. It's all happened in about yeah. one generation. How has everyone forgotten this already? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. When you discover that you are not the first, it's not the first time your faction's been there, the first time your faction had been there was when your parents were there. Which is why, which is why you don't know who your dad is or whatever. Had you forgotten to ask about your dad? The congregation did once attempt to colonise the island. The Norts discovered it some two centuries ago and brought our people here a few decades later. But the enterprise to colonise the island failed completely. The congregation continued to make expeditions to the island with the help of the Norts. According to the Admiral, my mother was captured from here during one of them. I was born on one of their ships. So in the time since you were a baby... I know I'm adopted, but I have zero curiosity about who my real parents were. (laughs) And the history element. Like, everyone's just forgotten your entire history. There's been universal amnesia about your history. And that's why it's a revelation. This isn't the first time that you've been there. It's the second. Because you can't remember 15 years ago. That's way too long. (laughs) Uh... Well, I feel like the bottom line is that this is a 
a project that had great aspirations. I think Spider as a development team clearly demonstrate that they've got skills with this in terms of, like you said, about the world being expansive. And Mm. I think they can do something good. They just haven't yet. I think they had a lot of hype about this game because their previous game, which I don't know what it was called, got Technomancer. What was it called? Technomancer, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was. That got panned quite a lot, I think, but people thought that it had a bit of potential. And so everyone was kind of paying a lot of attention to Greedfall when it came out because it was seen as kind of the next iteration where they would really show that they had more than just potential. Mm. And I feel like they're very much still in that same place of being like, look, we're a team with some skills and we've got ambition, but I just feel like they're trying to run and they're falling all over the place. And you want to, before trying a marathon, maybe just run in a cool 100 metres would be good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, f- for me, it shows ability in all of the wrong areas. For, for <laughs> so, so, I didn't even think I was going to be that cr- this critical about the game. Because I, I quite enjoy it. I think play. you're right. Like, it's like I think you, you're right. the areas that they need to improve on, Like you, you, they haven't got their bases covered. Like You can have quite a simple role-playing game technically but it hits all the right points like disco listen we always because we loved it so much we always go back to it but like it's one area and it's all, it's all about the stories and the dialogue and the writing and they could go on and, and make a game like with the resources that greedful had and it would be awesome but like i don't think you can go from a game like greedful and then to suddenly make a really good like it's got no yeah it's got no soul it's got no spirit it's got has no it? spirit it hasn't. There's nothing. No. It's ho- it's a hollow game. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the story isn't there. The dialogue isn't there. Mm. Everything that is said between characters is so thin as to be clearly only written in order that it either develops, pushes a quest forward, or opens a new quest line. Almost every time when your character first speaks to someone, one of her first questions, bearing in mind that she's a diplomat and she's already established in this world and most people know who she is long before she actually even steps into a room, her question is along the lines of, who are you? What do you do? You're thinking, what? This is an exposition. (laughs) Imagine if everyone you met in the world, you were like, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your history. And then they did. And then you met someone else and you said, and who are you? What do you do? It's like a fucking networking meeting the whole time. Uh, all right. Well, I think, I think we've, um, we've hated on this game long enough. Yeah. I came prepared to be positive, but you brought me down. You brought me down to your level on this one. <laughs> no, nah, you're, you're right. It's not, um, it's not a great time. It's not a great time. The only thing I, I would say, and this is a bit of a theme for me and theme no pun intended but hey it's there now because i did love the spectacular soundtrack which i thought was really good to the point where i downloaded it on spotify and have listened to it since and the composer is this guy um he's french olivier derivier and i honestly think he could have written a standalone symphony and it would be awesome he also did a plague tale which unlike this is a brilliant game and i highly recommend and so the guy clearly loves plagues but in any case music's good you're you're nodding but kind of like looking up as if you didn't really notice the music (laughs) i'm afraid i didn't really notice the music it's unusual for me i usually do but maybe i was playing it on like low volume or something i love the you know when you first launch the game and you get to the title screen and before you click continue and it loads you in which usually happens pretty quickly Mm. the music sequence has these epic horns 
the sound design generally is actually quite good. I didn't necessarily notice the music, but um, when you're running around towns, there's little puddles on the floor, and your footsteps when they hit the puddles like change to a little splash, and then back to like the the cobblestones. That's quite nice touch. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, things like that. Oh, there you go. We finished on a positive note. <laughs> it also did make me remind me of something which I didn't mention in our control episode, which is how good the um, animation is when she's running downstairs in that game. What a running downstairs animation. The running downstairs animation in this, not, not so good. <laughs> the gate doesn't change at all. But let's be honest, even if it was a brilliant running downstairs animation, it wouldn't, wouldn't save be her. enough. To, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. true oh... All right, that's a wrap, I think, on, on yeah, Greenfall. Um, I'm, I'm, I was fed off with playing it, and now I'm fed off of talking about it. <laughs> what, um, what have we decided to play next? Um, this was a tricky one. We, we went back and forth on this a little bit. We're going to play The Return of the Obra Dinn. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And do you know who? Do you know the, what other game this guy played? Mate, I know nothing about this other than the fact it looks like it was made for a black and white TV. Well, you said it now, which means we're playing it, so I can safely tell you that... So you don't know that this guy's first game was? Oh, wait, hang on. Yeah, I do. It's Papers, Please. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so you did know, which I love. I think I read a reference to it somewhere. So but it's a, it looks like a very different game anyway, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, also, every time I've seen it referenced, because I'm not someone who's drawn to a, to a game that's visual style is so starkly barren. Because mm. it's all pixelated and black and white, isn't it, pretty much? Or monochrome, anyway. Mm. I'm not normally drawn to that kind of game, but every time I've seen it referenced, it's in the context of, this is a game that you probably haven't played, but you definitely should have. Mm. And everyone seems to be loving it. So, yeah, I said to Teo, can we really play a game that we're, we're going to like? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and this one came up. So, yeah, we're going to go with uh, Return of the Obra Dinn. Cool. Well... Nice play along. Nice chatting to you as always. I don't know whether it was. See you next time. Anyway, I've got a singing career that I need to hone, I think. Yeah, that was, that was so good. My agent's waiting for me. I don't like your last outbursts. And for my 40 years in business and my gut feeling, I don't like what I've seen across the table here today. You've talked yourself out of this. You're fired. Do you think we should maybe go through it one more time just in case that first attempt actually has us laughing loads over the top of it? No, I think you were pretty quiet. I can't I can't ad lib that again, honestly. I've no, no idea what I said. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>